every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast, and I'm your host, John Paul Iwoha. Today, we have another very interesting topic on our hands, and it's um, my own experience, sharing my own experience of how I finally overcame my fear of selling. This is going to be a very important and strategic lesson for entrepreneurs out there because selling is one of the most important skills you can have, not just as an entrepreneur, but as a human being. The ability to sell, persuade, and influence people is the most powerful skill any human being can have. You need it in your life, you need it in your career, you need it in business, you need it in politics, you need it in human relationships, whether romantic and non-romantic relationships. Um, You know, getting a job, getting a promotion, getting into a relationship, asking somebody else, asking them to be your girlfriend, you know, asking them to marry you, attracting customers, raising money from investors, hiring people, getting distributors and suppliers to work with you requires the ability to sell, the ability to persuade and influence people to, to get on your own side. You need the skill to sell your idea. So selling is not just about a product, you know, or a service. You, you need it to sell your idea, your vision, your talent, your product or anything. If you're going to hire somebody to work in your business, you need to sell them the vision, the prospect, the future of what they could be and what they could get for working for you. So it's not just about selling products or services. Selling is much bigger. Selling is a superpower skill. So it's that kind of skill that differentiates those people who win in any sphere of life, either in life, in business, in politics, whatever. The most successful people are not usually the most intelligent people. They're usually the most persuasive people. So all successful people have this one skill in common. Now, you may not agree on the surface because um, we often have a a misconstrued sense of what it means to sell. There are some people who use silent techniques they sell to you and you don't even realize they are selling to you and then there are some other people who are loud you know it's obvious they are trying to sell to you and of course that is the kind of um, method the kind of tactic that gets our defenses up so in this episode i want to share my gradual progression from you know being an employee you know from getting my first job and then you know ruminating over this idea of starting my own business and all the all the challenges all the mental obstacles all the things i faced you know, in order to transform into somebody who is comfortable enough to sell my ideas, my products, my services, transforming 100% from an employee to an entrepreneur. And one important thing I need to mention here is a job is a good thing. A job gives you a, you know, a steady income. Most times if you work for a really good company, there's a good, there's a lot of prestige and pride that comes with it. But one downside, one major downside I noticed in my own experience is that a job shields us from the ability to sell. Most people who are career people are shielded from selling. You know, so except you're in the sales or marketing department or you're a manager who is responsible for bringing in new accounts. Most career people are uncomfortable with selling. And that's because you show up at your job, you work for 30 days. At the end of the month, you get paid. After you sell yourself during your job interview, if you work for that company and you don't look for any other job, you're unlikely to find yourself in situations where you need to, you need to employ your skills in selling. And 
Another thing I found is, that, you know, there's a big lie about um, smart and intelligent people. Most smart and intelligent people think that they don't need to sell themselves, that people will automatically recognize your talents and find you. Now, that's not true, except you're already popular and famous. That's the only time when you don't need to sell yourself. And, you know, more or less, your customers and other people who've dealt with you will do the selling for you. That's when word of mouth or recommendations or referrals come in. But if you're just about to start and nobody knows you, you there's nothing like a good product sells itself. That's, that's a big lie. It's a big misconception. You're putting the cart before the horse. And that's the wrong way around. So it's, I, I find it very um, common among people who are smart and intelligent, who have um, a high opinion of themselves. They find it demeaning to sell what they have. They believe it should be obvious that people should be able to recognize the quality that they have, you know, and, you know, um, get on board. But the, the, the truth is, the world is a crowded and noisy place, especially in the age of the internet. The world is very crowded, it's full of noise, distractions, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of competition. If you don't sell what you have or what you know, or the value you can provide, or find a way to stand out, you are going to be lost in the crowd. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's not the best product that sells. That's why, for example, we don't have um, the best written books. What we have are the best selling books. So it's sales that define success, not the, really the intrinsic quality of, of what it is. You know, so if nobody knows you, nobody can buy you, nobody can recognize you, nobody can applaud you, nobody can talk about you. So for your value to be recognized, you need to sell it. It's not going to happen automatically. So, but for making that um, transformation, my biggest fear was selling myself. I found it, um, I found it demeaning. I saw it as something that was, of course, beneath me. It felt dirty to sell myself. I. I, I saw myself as a professional and then, you know, you know, trying to get in people's faces was, you know, that kind of, that kind of lie we tell ourselves. So, but, you know, that experience helped me to gradually ask myself, where does the fear of selling come from? Why would the human being be shy or feel embarrassed or be put off by the idea of selling something valuable they have? It could be an idea, it could be a vision, it could be a product, it could be a service. If you have something so valuable, why, where, does that fear, where does that fear of selling come from? And in my experience, the fear of selling comes from two sources. And not surprisingly, they are psychological obstacles and limiting beliefs. And one major source of that fear is the culture and upbringing you have. We live, most of us live in a society that discourages us from early childhood not to call too much attention to yourself, to, our, to ourselves. You know, our society looks down on, on people who brag, on arrogant people on proud people, on people who talk too much or are loud-mouthed, always announcing themselves. We are, we, are, we are somehow, by our upbringing, groomed to fit in and not to stand out too much because if you call too much attention to yourself, you are going to um, attract um, the disdain you know, from um, other people. And then this, the other source I, I found for my own fear personally was religion. I was brought up um, Roman Catholic and the church teaches us to be meek and humble, so, you know, selling felt like I was going against my faith. I'm not supposed to announce myself. I'm not supposed to put myself out there. I'm supposed to be humble and meek and not, um, you know, um, more or less talk about myself or who I am or what I can do. That, you know, people are supposed to recognize it. Now, what I eventually realized is that all human beings are sellers by nature. From childhood, all of us are sellers by nature. 
The thing is, you may do it consciously or unconsciously. So, for example, children always sell to adults all the time. And there are entire industries that depend on children to sell their products to their parents. So, think of breakfast cereals, for example. If you look at the design of the package of a breakfast cereal, you see that it is targeted at children. Now, children don't have any money. They cannot buy those products. So, why is a company that's in business to make money targeting an audience that doesn't have money to pay for the product? That's because this cereal company, these cereal companies like Kellogg's and all of them, they depend on children to sell the products to their parents. And their parents are under, parents are under the influence of their children because they don't want to waste money buying a product that the child doesn't like. So, um, you know, entertainment companies like Disney are targeted at children because they expect the children to make the sale to their parents. It's the kids who keep disturbing, who keep selling their parents the idea of going to Disneyland, going to the amusement park, going to, you know, the circles and things like that. Children from the early age are already sellers. And there are companies that understand the commercial value of having children being the salespeople. If not, cereals will be designed for the adults who have the money to buy them. But no, they are designed for kids. And even in, in my country, uh, the most popular brand of noodles in, in West Africa, in fact, in Nigeria and, and Ghana especially, is Indomie. And right now, you know, so Indomie is like you know, fast food. You can just easily make the noodles and eat. But the, 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 the noodle product is targeted at children. They have these comic characters. Um, one of them is called Stretchy. I was asking my, my boy the other day, and he was telling me Stretchy, Big Boy, Tweeny, and, you know, the other one. And I kept on imagining, why do I always go into the store to buy a carton of Indomie? And the truth is, I am under the influence of my children. I am, and I'm not even aware of it because they're always telling me, um, I want Indomie, I want to eat Indomie. You know, so I'm under that influence and the company is targeting their packaging, their messaging, their advertising at children, children who don't have money. They know children don't have money, but children have an immense power to sell their parents. And that's why many of these companies are very successful because they recognize the, the selling power that children have. Another group is adults sell to, adults sell, we sell to ourselves all the time in relationships, you know, women sell to men, men sell to women. But what I, the, the interesting dynamic I notice is the way women sell in relationships, I mean in romantic settings, is different from the way men sell. Men are direct and confrontational. It's the men who do the asking out, the walking up to you and asking out, at least in, in most cultures, is the men who do that. Women are more indirect and suggestive. Now, the men think they are the ones who are doing the selling. They think they're the ones who are making the proposal for marriage or the asking out or, you know, things like that. But many men do not recognize that they are acting under the influence of the, of, of the woman. It's the woman who actually set up the whole thing. But there is no evidence because it is indirect and suggestive. It's also a way of selling without looking like you're selling. So these are interesting examples we see in nature. Another interesting dynamic I notice is the difference between how politicians and religious leaders sell. Politicians are obvious salespeople. That's why most times we don't trust them because we know they are going to sell us something and they want to sell us something. So whenever a politician shows up, you don't expect anything but sales. But religious leaders are much more powerful, in my opinion, than politicians because they sell strong ideas and visions. And they sell to us, but many times we don't realize that they are selling to, to us. Most of the world's religions, especially religions like Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, have survived for centuries for a reason. You know? Politicians don't survive a century or centuries. Ideas may, but most of these religions have been with us because they are excellent at sales. And you just have to recognize that. So, one, so this then, my journey then led me to 
three interesting misconceptions I've always had about you know selling, which is where the fears, which is where the fears were coming from, and you know made it difficult for me to lose those fears. And I need you to pay very close attention to what I'm about to say. One of the first misconceptions is the product versus problem misconception. So here's what I mean. Sales feels uncomfortable when you're too focused on the product you are trying to sell or the idea you're trying to sell or the money you want to make from the sale. A lot of people are focused on, they just want to make the sale so that they can make the money. And when you sell that way, it feels, it, it feels like you're bragging, you know, like you're arrogant or like you're forceful. But when you focus on the problem you're trying to solve for the other side or the need you're trying to meet for them or the, the wants you're trying to satisfy or the transformation you can provide, sales becomes, sales becomes the logical and natural thing to do. So let's use the drowning person analogy. You are on the bank of a river and you notice that there is this young man who is drowning in the middle of the river. So you have a lifeboat and you have two options. You can either, you know, drowning guy, I have this boat, it can get to you in five minutes and I can save you from drowning, you know. So right now, can you buy this product? Now, when you're focused on that, clearly you look like a wicked person, you know. But if you focus on the problem the person is trying to solve, that person is drowning. If you show that you can help that person solve that problem, then it becomes natural. Sales, you, sales is helping, sales is about solving problems, it's about meeting needs, it's about satisfying the wants that people have. But you shouldn't focus on the product you're trying to sell. If you focus on the need, on the problem or the want, it becomes the natural thing to do. You have a problem, I have the solution. More or less, the sales automatically happens on its own. So, uh, and then the, the other difference I noticed is the difference between, the other misconception I noticed is the difference between persuasion and manipulation. And this is what makes a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about sales because they, they don't want, they, they, they feel like they are trying to manipulate somebody to see their own worldview, like they're trying to take advantage of somebody's vulnerability. So somebody's going through, tr uh, through trouble. You don't feel comfortable selling to that person because you feel that you're taking advantage of the person's bad situation, that it's not, it's not fair. But there is, a different, there is a difference between persuasion and manipulation. And you need to pay attention to this. Now, persuasion is about influencing people. Now, persuasion and manipulation are about influence. There's no doubt about it. But it's to what end? Persuasion is influencing people to do or buy something that benefits them. Persuasion sells a valuable product. And how do you know that persuasion is happening? Persuasion doesn't lead to, to dissatisfaction or regret afterwards. Now, contrast that with manipulation. Manipulation is also influence that harms or destroys. It sells a false promise. And how you know manipulation has happened is that manipulation always leads to tears, regrets, and conflict on the customer side. So let me give you an interesting example. What's the difference between um, a gold digger and a godsend? Now I'm talking about, um, say, in romantic circles, a, a woman is trying to choose between two men, but unknown to her, one of them is a gold digger and the other one is the man of her dreams. The interesting thing is these two men, in terms of physical characteristics, are appealing. They are handsome, they are financially secure. So on the, on the surface, that's what she thinks. But the gold digger is just making pretenses. Everything he comes around with is borrowed. It's not his own. The house he says he has is not his own. He's just putting up appearances because he wants to influence this lady to marry him. But the basis of that promise is flawed. He is lying about everything. Even though what the person sees, what the woman sees, what the customer sees is identically the same. Meanwhile, the godsend 
is exactly what you see. Is everything he says he has is what he has. Everything he says he is is what he is. It's not just about the appearance. His substance is equal to his appearance. But the gold digger's substance is not the same as the, as, the, as the appearance. And how do you know who is persuading and who is manipulating? If the lady goes for the gold digger, after the marriage, she's going to find out that she's been duped. She's been scammed. That's how you know a manipulation. A manipulation sells you a false promise. But if she ends up with a godsend, she is going to live happily ever after. after because persuasion always leads to value. It is a real promise that doesn't default. So if you're selling, if you know you have something of value, there should be no qualms about selling what you have because you know this is going to make that person happy. You're trying to make the person make a decision that is in their best interest. You know that what you're selling can solve their problem, meet their need, or satisfy their want. You should not feel, um, you, you should not feel troubled because even after the sale, the person May end would, would end up being happy. And that is where referrals come from. That's where recommendations come from. That's when people get crazy about a, a brand and then they keep talking about it to their friends, family, neighbors, and colleagues. That's the power of persuasion. You sell a real promise that delivers on that promise. But a persuasion sells a false promise and doesn't deliver on that promise. That is why the customer is angry, is dissatisfied. There's a lot of regrets. They, it ends up in conflict. The, and then, of course, the, the bad side of manipulation is you are going to lose much more because a dissatisfied and angry customer can do more bad marketing than a good customer can do with good marketing. And then there's also another interesting difference. So we live in an age where we have you know, a lot of um, online scams. So you see something online, you're not really sure is this for real or not. If it's a manipulation, when you buy that product, you're going to regret it. That's how you know it's a manipulation. But if it's persuasion, you are likely going to come back to buy more because you love the value of that product or service. It helped you solve the it helped you solve a problem. It helped you meet a need or satisfy your wants. And a happy customer always comes back. But when you're manipulated, you run for the hills. Another difference, I, another misconception I noticed is the difference between definitive and suggestive selling. Now, definitive selling announces you as a salesperson. So imagine a used car salesman. A typical representation for a salesperson. When you see such people, the natural defense we have is this guy is trying to sell me something. He's trying to make me buy something. His intention is to part me, separate me from my money. I'm going to be defensive. That's what definitive selling does. Definitive sellers want the customers to buy now. Definitive selling is forceful, it's blunt, it's focused on the transaction. It's focused on this transaction. I this is my product. I want you to buy now. There is no interest in understanding the customer, building a relationship, you know, trying to understand the different emotions at play. You don't want to understand the person. You're just focused on, I want you to buy now. That's definitive selling. Suggestive selling on the other part is much more uh, insidious. It's not, you don't always have to be direct when you're selling. And the best way to sell is to sell as if you're not selling. That's why the best salespeople are very powerful because you don't know they are selling to you. You're just going through, your defenses are not up because there's nothing suspicious. There's nothing, but they're actually selling to you. And the best type of selling is gradual, seductive, and builds a relationship. The intention is, a build a, is to build a relationship. That is why when the sales eventually happens, you feel happy because you think that you, make, you made the decision by yourself. You think it was your decision and then nobody influenced you to do it. That's why the best salespeople influence their targets to 
to convince themselves. And every single day we go through suggestive selling on social media, for example. You you think it's just um you think it's um it's coincidence that you are you are planning for a wedding and then you're seeing ads about um this wedding brand that does this and that and that. You see, many of these big companies, Google, Facebook especially, invest a lot in behavioral scientists. And these guys help them to craft suggestive selling techniques that that have made you know these companies very successful. So Gone are the days when you're on TV and then a salesperson comes on board and he's trying to sell you a product. On social media these days, why the advertising is very um, powerful and effective is because it's very relevant and it's not really in your face. It suggests, it's, it's suggestive. It's up to you to click that link. It's not compulsory. You know, you can choose to, to scroll by and not pay any attention to the, to the ad. But it's suggestive. It helps you get to the conclusion without you feeling like you're selling by yourself. And that's why I, of course, I love the suggestive mode, except when you're in situations where the customer expects you to sell. So there's no pretense about this. I know you have a product that can solve my problem. No, so let's, let's be direct. There are situations when you have to be direct. You have to use definitive selling. There are situations that call for that. But on the large part, especially when you're trying to get new customers, people who don't know you, people who have never heard about you before, the best way to do it is suggestive. And this still brings me back to the whole um, uh, area of relationships, how men and women sell. Men feel they are the, they are the real, they are the, they are the correct salespeople, they are the right salespeople because they are the ones who do the asking out, they are the ones who do the proposal for marriage. But nobody really sees the selling that happens suggestively from women because it shouldn't be a surprise to you that um, all of a sudden you find yourself proposing to her, you know. Some other things have happened mentally and psychologically to you that maybe you didn't realize there was a lot of indirect and suggestive selling on her part and you just fell under the influence and then you know of course you're the one who is doing the the definitive selling so there are interesting cues in nature and if you if you're into um i'm i'm, I'm a big buff on on uh, you know watching national geographic national geographic world and there are a lot of interesting examples of how selling happens in nature you look at mating dances, uh, mating rhythms of different animals and things like that. Selling happens in very dynamic ways. And the best way nature likes to sell is suggestive selling. And that's what I, that's what I use. That's what I recommend. So realizing all of this on my journey, I had to embrace my destiny. And I realized that the biggest regret I would have in my life is to get old or retire or die with the amazing vision I have, with all the ideas I have, and all the skills and abilities I have. And um, the interesting thing is we live in an internet age, and the internet makes selling easier and faster. You don't need to go through um, most middlemen or gatekeepers. But still, even though we live in an internet age, it's still harder to sell, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise and distraction and competition on the internet. So when I started, I started by hiding behind my brand. I, I was hiding behind the small starter brand. So when people come to the website or when people deal with me, I was always putting the brand and then I was hiding behind the brand. But if you notice, the world of business is moving away, is moving away from brands to personalities and stories. Think of an entrepreneur like Elon Musk or Richard Branson who are standing in front of their brands. You know, your personality is a competitive advantage because while your competitors can copy 
your they can copy your strategy they can copy your products they can copy your prices they can even come and poach your people one thing your competitors cannot copy is your personality that's why a lot of companies are now seeing the value in putting the owner of the company or the ceo or the top people of the company in front of the brand rather than hiding behind the brand so you know seeing all of these things i then it was it was uncomfortable but i realized that if I do not sell myself, I am doing a disservice to my generation. I'm doing a disservice to the world, you know. And then if I have, if what I have is valuable and can help people, there is no reason to be afraid because, of course, you're not manipulating people. If you know that people are going to be happy one month, one year, 10 years after they use your service or buy your product, that should give you the confidence you need to boldly assert that, you know, this is something that can help you. I have something that can help you. And this is how I can help you. And since going in front of my brand, sales have picked up. You know, uh, my uh, people are now much more connected to my personality. I'm now seeing how it makes me different from other people. I'm no longer scared of the competition because my personality is unique. You can't copy the way I act, the way I treat people. You can't copy my voice. You can't copy my sense of humor or my lack of sense of humor. There are several different dynamics that you can play with. So. You know, when I then talk of small starter, I am the face of small starter. And I need to be proud to be that face because if small starter provides value, I need to be happy to stand in front of a brand that provides value, that empowers entrepreneurs, gives them the support they need, the training, the insights and the inspiration they need to build, to start, build and grow and grow successful businesses. So I've noticed that standing, being the face of my brand has increased the, the magnetism of my brand to my ideal audience, the people I'm looking out for. They now have a stronger reason because they can see a human being behind the brand, not just a logo or a name or some kind of corporate speak. So this is um, what I then noticed was, you know, using my experience and everything I've learned working with um, entrepreneurs, dozens of entrepreneurs in several different countries, overcome, you know, selling problems. You know, there are different dimensions to selling. This episode has mainly focused on the personal journey. But there are other important aspects of selling that I'm hoping that in future episodes I can, I can touch on. But if you want to become a member of our exclusive community, our private community of entrepreneurs who are working together to solve business problems, these are the people that have direct access to me. They have, um, you know, they are trying to um, increase their sales, you know, attract customers, grow sales, solve business problems. Um, you know, joining the insiders will be a great investment in your future as an entrepreneur. If you'd like to learn more about our private community of people who are working together on a 10-year journey to build successful businesses, um, I'll direct you to smallstarter.com slash insiders, smallstarter.com slash insiders. So I'll be by your side as you break all those barriers. And we have a dedicated course on selling, breaks down every single thing you know you need to know about selling in today's dynamic world of the internet whether you're selling online or offline whether you're selling physical products or virtual products you need to take the advanced course on the art and science of sales and that that course is exclusive to members of our private insiders community and of course if there are any barriers that are holding you back because you have direct access to me you don't have to wait for the next podcast episode or read my next article. You can just send me a DM in our private space or post it in the forum and all of us will get on that problem and solve. So we're a community where we're networking, we're learning together, we're growing together. Entrepreneurs are too isolated. You cannot build a business alone. Walking alone, um, building a business alone is a lot of burden on its own. Apart from the psychological benefits 
of working with like-minded people. There are also tangible economic and commercial benefits of learning from the ideas and strategies and, su and success stories of other people who have, um, who have done what you have done and have uh, much more experience in what you're about to do. So I don't know it all, but I trust that all the people who are members of our private community, when we put our heads together to solve a problem, we almost, we almost always hit the, the target. So if you want to learn more about the Insiders program or how you can become a member of our exclusive private community, head over to smallstarter.com slash insiders. That's smallstarter.com slash insiders. See you in the next episode. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.